I'll tell you a story about next steps. And many times we find ourselves in life and we don't necessarily know where we're supposed to go next. Maybe you don't know what college to go to. Maybe you don't know what, what the next life event is going to be and that next step where you're going to find yourself. And many of us find ourselves in our, our walk in life and we, we've, we're experiencing that. So I want to tell you a funny story of what happened to me if they've got the pictures pulled up. My in-laws used to have a place right on Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side, and it's right on the lake. You go down the hill, and there's the lake, and it was wonderful. And my brother-in-laws decided this great idea that the guys should all bond and go to um, Mount Shakespeare, which is right over there, and it's just this beautiful mountain that's sticking up out of, you know, the ground. So... My one brother-in-law is a billy goat. I'm just, he's, I don't know how he does that. He's just crazy. So, yeah, you can't see. It's, it's not going to do justice at all. But it, you can Google it and see this, this mountain is just like beautiful. So here we go. We're walking and there's a path you can walk on. That's kind of what, what it was looking like. You could see there, but you couldn't see. But we're walking on the path. Okay, it's got the beaten path. They got everything laid out there. It's a national park, and we're walking there. And that is way too comfortable for my brother-in-law. So he looks at the the cliff that is going up like this. He goes, how about we go up to the top this way? Now, when we're standing there looking at it, it looks about like that. Okay? It's like, okay, I can lean over on that, and I can find my spot, and we're going to be all right. This is going to work out just fine, and it's going to be lots of fun, and we're bonding with my brother-in-laws, and I'm not going to be the one to say, oh, heck no, I'm not going to do that. So we start going up, and my brother-in-law, he's just going, 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 and I reach a point about three-quarters of the way up, and I'm probably 200 feet off the ground. And I couldn't see the next place to grab. And I looked down, and it's just jagged rocks. And what I thought was this incline is really more like this. And I found myself on the side of a mountain. (laughs) I don't know what to do. So my next step was not obvious. I looked, there was no place for me to put my next handhold to grab a hold of. My feet were getting shaky. You're holding onto this one little bush over here that's not going to hold my entire body weight. And I'm sitting here going, this is a family trip and I'm going to die. I love Jesus. I don't want to see him today. And I called out to my brother-in-law and thank God he heard me. And he scaled back down because I looked and I couldn't go back down. That just wasn't going to happen. I was going to fall down if that was, that was my only way down was in a body bag. But um, my brother-in-law came back down and he reached his hand out to me. And there's so much symbolism here. He reached out his hand to me and I had to let go of where I'm firmly holding on and trust that he could support my body weight to get to the next place. And we then went the rest of the way and we went up. But I was stuck at that one place. And we made it to the top of that mountain and you can't see it which is probably a blessing to all of you because I was wearing shorts and my legs are very, very wide, but I'm holding that flag up there like, baby, I made it. I'm really happy I'm up here. So, but when I was thinking about this message, I thought about next steps and that memory came to me because that was a desperate place for me. 
And there's plenty of times that we find ourselves in desperate places. If you have your Bible, open up to Psalms chapter 1. And if you don't, I'm just going to read these really quick. I like to use a lot of Bible, so I'm going to jump around through these quite, quite quickly to try to make up some additional time. But one of the questions as a takeaway I want us to look at today is what's in it for me? Isn't that what everybody wants to know? I mean, we got the election coming up. How are you going to vote? Everybody's going, what's in it for me? How how am I going to benefit? So you want me to do this. What's in it for me? What are you going to do for me if I do this for you? Everybody wants to know. So when it comes to Church on the Rock Dallas, it's a valid question for the thousands of people that are sitting out here that you want to know what's in it for me. And for the ones who came here at 8 o'clock in the morning to help set up, there was a lot of work in it for you. But, um, and thank you very much. I just want to say a special shout-out to everybody that came and worked so hard and crazy and busy, and all these things got individually bolted up, and it was a lot, a lot of work, and lots of, the team is just wonderful. Yes, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you. So, but... We're going to look at what's in it for me, and we're going to look at a couple of different places. But God calls what we're doing a path, and that's where we're going to walk, and we're just going to establish this a little bit. Psalms 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Psalm 25 says, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Psalm 16 says, you will make known to me the path of life. In Psalms 119, it says, your word is a light to my feet and and a light to my path. So you see, all through the scripture, we're seeing there's a path that we're on. Now, it's a proverbial path. We can't just walk outside and go, oh, this is the path. Wouldn't that be so much easier? To know what you're supposed to do if like, it was just like right there in front of you, you could see it. Like you get on George Bush and you know you're on George Bush until you're going to get off on an exit. But we're all on a path. And that path requires decisions and it requires choices. And those choices determine what happens and where your next turns are. So we want to invite you to be on this path with us and your friends to be on this path with us, and all the other people that we've reached out to and the intentionality. And I'm sure the rain had a lot to do with people deciding whether they're not going to come and all kinds of other situations that are occurring in people's lives, and we have busy schedules. But here's the thing. The, I'm going to give the, the end away to you. We're asking people to do life with us because we're all doing life. But we can have so much better much more fun, and much more meaningful relationships when we do it together. So all these people, some people didn't even know each other that came here this morning. And by the end of setting all this up, are good friends. Then when they see them next time, it's like, hey, you got this connection. And that was in an hour or two. We just want to do life with each other. But I want to tell you a little bit about who we are and the culture that we're developing as Church on the Rock, Dallas. And there's a logo that I came up with, Michael, if you can try and put it back up there. I don't think you'll be able to see it. That says that we're the church with no rules and no judging. And right away, that brings up a whole lot of thoughts from a lot of people. And you have, uh, even my wife says, no, no, we got to have some rules. Well, we got to have, but don't we have to? And, And you know, there's just all these thoughts that come into our mind. And that's what I want to talk to a little bit today. To just let everyone know, 
And then the word of mouth that, that spreads out of here and the people who listen to the podcasts and, and everything else to know the intentionality of where we're at and what God's placed on our hearts. So church with no rules and no judging. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? I have not. And I've seen and heard of, maybe been to one or two churches, it was the exact opposite, that you got judged as soon as you walked in the door and, and that there was rules. And if you're going to go to this church, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm certainly not sending any shade down on those churches. God bless them, love them, but that's not us. And the vision that God has placed in my wife and my heart for this work and for this area is to be the church with no rules and no judging. And even when I first said it, it's kind of like, oh, uh. And I had to work through it myself because I really felt like it's something that God dropped into my heart. But now, let's look at Matthew 7, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, I'm going to read these. And they've got them for the screen, but you can't read them on the screen anyway. So you just you either trust me or you can go look them up later yourselves. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Now, how hard is that? I mean, right? It's in the Bible, for crying out loud. Do not judge, for in the way that you judge, you will also be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. Mother Teresa said this, if you judge people, you will have no time to love them. Isn't that true? Because, man, if I'm so busy looking at all the things going, oh, I think you need to do this and this and this and this, I don't have time to love you. I'm certainly not going to be looking at you. So loving you is what we're all about. So to, to kind of wrap all this into a big picture, if you will, Jesus comes on the scene and the earth had been here for several thousand years and, and God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and then the rabbis had their rabbi codes and all these laws and what started off as the tablets is now these volumes and it's like everybody's got to try and keep up with all these rules. So the rabbis got Jesus together and they're trying to trick him because they're not really happy with the way he's messing up all their apple carts and their, their religion and the religious ways that they've got going on. It's just religion is basically just serving man. It's man's attempt to get to God. And Jesus came here, so we don't need that. But they came to Jesus. And I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time, Matthew 22. And you can go look it up later if you want to. But they came to Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, of all the laws, which is the greatest? So in other words, what's your favorite? Now, how many of you like to speed? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. That's all right. Is that law to obey the speed limit your favorite law? No. Now, I don't like people running red lights. So that's my favorite law. Just don't run red lights, man. I mean, that's like, don't do it. I mean, it's like, you know. So, but speeding, you know, I'm in a hurry. It's okay. There's nobody on the road. I can justify my own side to that, right? So we all have our favorite law. So I believe they're asking Jesus, so what's your favorite law? And trying to put him into a corner. Because then when he said his favorite one, it was like, well, he doesn't think these are. Doesn't that sound like politics today? Well, what do you think we should do about the border? Well, what do you think we should do about this thing or that thing or something over there and trying to put it in a corner? And then you're going to have to make a decision and, and lay it off. And Jesus was so wise. And he says, all of the law can be summed into this, two things. 
love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. Huh. So if I love the Lord my God, I will obey the Sabbath. If I love the Lord my God, I'm not going to take his name in vain. I'm not going to... Okay, yeah, the Ten Commandments can be fulfilled there. If I really love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to lust over his wife. I'm not going to want to steal his stuff. I'm not going to want to murder him. Huh. So Jesus rolled it all down into this one nicely package. But isn't that the same way today? We've now taken it and said, okay, well, we've got all these other things that we really need to do. Yeah, 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 you love. But you got to do all these things. But Jesus is like, no, roll it all down to this. Love. So I like that quote that Mother Teresa said, that if you're judging, you don't have any time to love. And yet Jesus said that's really what our greatest gift is, fulfilling the law. In John chapter 8, I want us to look at the, another time that Jesus was in the temple preaching. And this comes to judging and loving, and forgiving, and all, all kinds of stuff. And this is, this is just some, a phenomenal story. And let me just tell you that next week we're going to start a series. It was going to be called Running with the Giants, but this morning I changed the title, which is going to be fun to go back and fix all that stuff. But um, th- we're going to call it um, A Day in the Life, or Put yourself in the Bible. One of those two things we're going to kind of put it. Because we read the Bible and we read the whole thing and we go, oh, that was a great story. Right? So we see whatever story it is. Everybody knows um, Daniel in the lion's den, right? I mean, we've heard that story. He's down there. And you see that he doesn't get eaten. He gets pulled up. The king's really happy the next day, right? That he didn't get eaten. But do we ever put ourselves in Daniel's shoes? To sit there and say, what was it like for Daniel when he's being lowered down in there and those lions have been just been starved so they will devour whoever they put in there. So we're going to jump into that. We're going to look at several different Bible characters and say, what would they say to us if they were studying here today? So as we're planting this church, as we're walking this whole thing out, all kinds of stuff happens. The rain is the least of the problems. All kinds of things have come against us. We've been at the emergency room four or five times in the last month alone with our kids. And just crazy distractions, just things just trying to, trying to hit us up. Different people of the elders have had different things coming at them too. I mean, there's just, it's not always easy. And I told my wife, I said, you know what I realized? Our story is being written. Because years from now, when we've got a great work and see what God has done from this humble beginnings of today, and we look back and go, hey, do you remember on September the 25th, it was raining really, really hard, and we started late, and oh my gosh, it was like I wasn't going to even make it through. And look what the Lord has done. But our story is being written today. So I want us to look and put yourself in the Bible in this story. So in chapter 8 of John, in verse 1, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and in the evening, early morning, sorry, he came to the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down, and he began to teach them. Jesus loved being in church. He was all over the place. He's in all these other places, but he still loved going to church. 
Verse 3 says, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Have we heard this story before? But now I want to put yourself in that story. Put yourself in that situation. Put yourself in the Bible. Okay? So I believe, give me some room here. Okay? This is my beliefs. You can have yours. I've got mine. Remember, we don't judge. But I believe they're always looking to trip Jesus up. They're looking for a way for him to, aha, see, there's your thing. There's it. See, we can discount you now. They never found it, but that's what they're trying to do. So they said, okay, we're going to set him up. So I believe they went and found the local prostitute. They found the, the girl they knew that would, would um, help them in their plan and got the whole act all set up, and they grabbed her out of that thing. Okay, it says they caught her in the very act. That means they're looking. They're, it's crazy. I mean, when you look into the Bible and read it, it's like crazy. In the very act, I believe she was probably naked or very loosely dressed, being caught. They ripped her up, and they're looking for sensationalism. Now imagine if we're sitting here, and somebody comes in and throws a naked woman down at the altar when the preacher's preaching, okay? Can you imagine? I can't. I don't want to. But can you imagine? And they said to him, now the law of Moses commands, remember we just talked about all those laws, how they're trying to pick theirs? The law of Moses commands us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him so they might have grounds for accusing him. Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote in the ground, and we don't know what he wrote. That's one of the things when I get to heaven, I'm going to hey, Jesus, what did you write on the ground? Because, you know, we really want to know. So he starts writing in the ground, and when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. Some people believe that he was writing down all their sins, and when they saw their sins, they're like, oop, let's get out of here before you gets to me. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I want to know. beginning with the older ones, and then he was left alone with the woman. Now, what do you think her posture is in this whole thing? Have you ever thought about that? Do you think she's just sitting here going, okay, let's see what happens? She's very well seen people stoned to death. So we hear stoned, and it's not the good kind of stoned, all right? You follow me? She wasn't going to enjoy this. They're taking large stones and they're hurling that at a body until they keep doing it, causing blunt force trauma to your body until ultimately they hit your head and you die from massive bleeding. Isn't that like pretty gross? Now, just like in some of the areas in you know, the Middle East that they still cut off hands on Friday for people who caught stealing and chop heads off and all that stuff, they still do all that. People have seen this. They're not numb to it. They know it. That's why they're like, oh, no, I am going to follow the law. She has undoubtedly seen that, and now she finds herself on the receiving end. How's that day going for you? I kind of picture her in the fetal position, prepared for it. Can you? Can you imagine she's scared out of her ever-loving mind? 
She's down there crouched. Just waiting for the first rock. She doesn't see Jesus riding in the sand. She doesn't see the people leaving. She just knows it's that moment before the the flash of your life, before you die. She's just in that moment. And she's just, can't you see her there with me? Verse 10 says, straightening her up. Jesus went over to her, picked her up. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And imagine again, she's down there in that fetal position. She's like this. And Jesus is reaching over there. She's like twitching, right? Can't you see? That's like, <laughs> and he pulls her up and she's like looking around. Where's anybody who's going to throw the first stone? There's nobody here. She says, verse 11, no one, Lord. Isn't it amazing that when God shows up, you don't have to be told he's God? She calls him Lord right away. And Jesus said to her, I do not condemn you either. Go from now and sin no more. Now, let's be honest. Let's do some, just be real as we can be here today. Was she guilty? She was, right? Did she deserve to be stoned? She did. That's the law. That's your speed. You get pulled over. The little blue lights are going. You go, oh, mm. you deserve the ticket, right? Okay, she deserves what was coming to her. And here Jesus is the son of God. And he's God's representation on the earth. Now everybody's gone. That's a private moment. Don't you think you go, really shouldn't do this now listen you're getting away with not being stoned this time but don't let me see your don't make me come down there again right don't you see that he could have at least shook his finger at her and say don't do this again you gotta change you gotta he could shouldn't he scold her i mean that's pretty serious isn't it i mean they're gonna kill her Shouldn't he at least get in there and judge her a little bit and say, you really shouldn't be doing this. He's God. He's perfect. He he should be the one, right? And yet he says, I don't condemn you either. Literally, the words sin no more means you've missed the mark. Try to hit the mark next time. So even in saying sin no more, it's not like, okay, don't do this again. It's more of shoot for the mark. So if Jesus, in a perfect world where he's God in this perfectly set up, manipulated, I believe, situation, is not going to sit there and judge her. Who am I? And can I ask the question, who are we to judge anybody? I can't. Plus, there's that other scripture that says, don't judge. So, what's in it for me, for that woman who was like this? What's in it for her? God radically changed her life that day. 
first words out of her mouth are, Lord. Right? God showed up in her life and changed her life in an incredible way. So what's in it for you? If we don't judge, if we don't have rules, if we don't say, if you're coming here, you can't smoke, you can't drink, you can't do all these things. We're just saying, love God. Now are we saying, keep sinning forever and ever and just enjoy yourself? Is that what I'm saying by no rules and no judging? There's another scripture I didn't put in the list that's in Romans chapter 6. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin knowing that grace is going to abound? Knowing that we're not going to get judged, that there's not any rules. Should we just go out and just sin, sin, sin? Next words I love. God forbid. No. But let me tell you, the only person who can tell you to stop sinning and you want to do it is God. Because if I tell you, you've got to change this in your life, my children are the only exception. (laughs) You are going to do your best maybe even to do what I have asked you to do, but they're going to reach a day you don't. And then there's a break in a relationship between me and you. But when it's God that's asking you and saying, hey, Lenore, I really don't want you to do this. Lenore, I really want you to do that. Kevin, I want you to be over here. I want, this is where I really want you to be. This is the path I want you to walk on. You're like, okay. Because instead of being thrown, it's a gentle friend that just comes along beside you and you're just like, I'm happy to follow you. Have you ever heard people say, I follow Jesus? It's not, he's chasing me. It's not, he's beating me. He's not got the flog behind me. He's just like, you got to go this way. You got, and that's people's image of church. I had someone this morning said, I'm not living my life right. I'm sorry I can't come to church because I'm not living my life right. And it's like, none of us live our life perfect, but yet we still have the opportunity to be here. Psalm 139 is I'm closing. I love this scripture. It's my favorite scripture, the whole chapter. But verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way inside of me and lead me in everlasting way. So there's a path. We see that God has a path for us. He sees, we've, he's got this one he wants us to go on. We see that we can miss it. And he's still like, hey, it's okay. Get back on the path. It's all good. We're going to make it. And the video I had for you guys to see in the beginning of this was so amazing. It was talking about different people, his testimonies of how they've missed it and how God just helped them back on. And it was an amazing video. Maybe we'll have it next week. We can play it. But it was a really amazing video. But God's not up there trying to beat anybody down. He's not up there trying to push anybody off a cliff if you make one mistake. He just wants to love you. Because the way Jesus boiled down 
all these things to love, that's all he wants for us as well. So remember I asked you, to everybody fill out a connection card? If you can get them with me right now. And please, 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 please fill them out. Because we want your information, make sure everything's up to date, and we want to be able to stay in touch with you. But we're going to give you a hassle-free guarantee. We're not going to come visit you at your house. We're not going to give you a loaf of bread. We're not going to give you, you know, any, any crazy stuff, okay? We just want to give you the opportunity and let you know what's going on with us and what your next steps could be if you wanted to be a part of where we're going and who we are. But on the back, there's four letters, A, B, C, and D. And so I want to tell you what those four letters are. And I believe everybody fits in the whole world fits into one of these four categories. A, I've already accepted Christ. So for me, it was April the 5th, 1974 at an altar at Rocky Ford Baptist Church. I accepted Christ on that day. So for me, that was, that's my day. So I would check an A, I've already B is I'm ready to become a Christian today, that, man, I feel that God's telling me what to do and pulling me on that path, and that's where I want to do, and, man, today's my day. I'm ready to make that commitment. C, I'm still just checking everything out. I'm not sure about this whole thing. That's all right. And D is my favorite one, I think. I will never be a Christian. I will never accept Jesus. That, uh, that is definitely not for me. That's people fit into D. So everybody in the world fits into one of these categories. And I want to ask you, which one are you? And we just want to do a survey because we did a survey of this whole entire area. And guess what we found out? 48% of the people that live within this area of Plano, 48% have never been to church. I'm not talking about people who believe differently, like you know, in Islam and Hindu and all the other different things, Catholicism even, not even denominational churches. I'm talking about never been to church, don't know anything. So we just want to kind of get the temperature of what's going on here and say where we're at. And we want, here's the crazy thing, we want everybody that's on all four categories to be in our church. We're not saying, hey, if you don't ever want to be, then you shouldn't be here. If you're still checking things out, no, 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 you need to get your life. Isn't that a rule? We don't want rules. We want relationships. We want Jesus to have his way here. So if you will, check on the back, whether you're at A, B, C, or D, and this isn't to judge anybody. It isn't to put anybody into a category. It is simply just to take a survey and to see where we're at. Now, the cool thing is there are other churches that do this same exact thing. And every year as they do this survey, we're not going to do this survey every week, but every year when they do this survey, people that were D's, four, five, or six, will say, last year I was a D and this year I'm an A. Man, I've been just checking things out, but man, today's my day. I'm ready to see what God has for us. So that's what we're trying to do. So if everyone will stand to your feet with me. We're going to dismiss. And if anyone has any prayer requests that we can pray with you about, Lenore and I would love to pray with you, and several other people would love to pray with you too. And we're just so happy everyone came out today. And again, I apologize for the craziness and the... The rain, and I didn't have control of the rain, but the craziness, and you know, we got it. 
It's all working, and it's going to go so much smoother next week. I'm so excited. We're so happy you're here. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, I thank you that even when things don't go perfect and doesn't go like we would like it, that they're not going as planned even, that you're still God. So Lord, I pray that you will touch everyone in this place that came here this morning. And Lord, I'm asking you to just be with them. And Lord, that you will just let them experience you in a real way. I have a pastor friend that says, if I could take Jesus out of my heart and put him in yours just for one second, you would never want him to leave. So my last question, while everyone's heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, this is rhetorical. What's your next step? So if you're filling out a piece of paper and it said at the bottom, my next step is, what's your next step? Specifically when it comes to God, when it comes to eternity, are you already a Christian and your next step is to read the Bible more, to pray more, to trust God more? If you're a C and you've just been checking things out for a while and you've just been looking and you don't really know, you just kind of think some of these Christian people are crazy. And today you say, man, I'm ready to experience a loving God who's not going to kill this woman who deserved by the law to be stoned. I'm ready to become a Christian. Or I'm still just going to stay checking it out. My next step is... I want to ask you to take some intentionality with that next step and just communicate if we can be a part of that next step. But that's a personal thing for you. It's not anything that has anything to do with us, really. But it's you. So, Father, in closing, I pray that you will take the words that we've spoken today and the story that we've read as we inserted ourselves into a great story in the Bible. And, Lord, I pray we're all challenged And Father, I pray you help us to be empowered to take our next step and to know exactly what it is you want from us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.